Hi, I'm Joan Young, the Strengths Whisperer. I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, middle school counselor and teacher, and passionate student of positive psychology. I love discovering what's right about people, what's strong in them, and help them discover a journey of flourishing. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Betsy Salkind. Betsy is a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach. She's the head coach in the ADAPT Functional Health Coach Training Program at the Cresser Institute. She's a comedian, a writer, and an inspiration to me. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Thanks for being here. Hi, Betsy. How are you today? Hi, Joan. I'm, I'm good. It's uh, it's really windy and sunny today, and I'm loving the wind. Mm. Yeah, windy days. Sometimes people love them, and sometimes it makes them feel chaotic. So yeah, yeah. But living in LA, I guess that's about this. That's about it with the weather, right? Yeah. So long as there aren't fires, the winds are great. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. We can appreciate them when it's not dangerous yeah 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 so I wanted to talk to you in particular because as your background as a coach and as someone who's done multiple careers I think it's fascinating to think about how strengths have played out in your life and and what how instrumental they are in the career choice that you chose yeah You know, it's funny because I think, you know, I've always been aware of certain of my strengths, but sometimes it's really only kind of looking back and saying, okay, well, like seeing the evidence of it is also something I've noticed. So um, I think, you know, my mom, my, my baby book, it said, you know, knows likes and dislikes. And so I think I've always had a really strong uh, sense of that, but, you know, maybe, maybe to the point of <laughs> where I overuse that strength, um, you know, and I've had to learn to, to be less judgy. Like, I don't have to have an opinion about everything. Um, but it has really helped also though, in really knowing what I've, what I like to do and what I don't like to do. And, um, uh, yeah, so what what can I share that would be helpful? Yeah, well, I'm fascinated by by what you just said that sometimes it's in the overuse of a strength where where something turns up, you know. So I'm wondering. I know that as a comedian, um, humor <laughs> is a huge strength of yours. Yeah, I'm wondering if that strength has a shadow side for you, and if it's ever gotten you into trouble. Oh, yes, for sure. Because sometimes, you know, one of the one thing that I think is important for a comic is, you know, you think of that funny thing in the moment and you got to say it right away or the timing's gone. But what that does is it takes out that moment to filter where where you say, should I say this out loud? Is this <laughs> so it works out great when you're when everybody knows you're a comedian. Mm. Um, but sometimes 
you know, I'll say that funny thing the second it hits and people are like, what, what are you talking about? And then I have to say, oh, I'm like, or, you know, my husband will say she's a comedian. And, you know, so there is definitely, <laughs> there's a, a filter that's not, that has to not be there, I think, for the comedy that um, is very useful to have. And so I think with my coaching, I really uh, brought that filter back and didn't bring humor into my coaching so much in the beginning. And it's taken me a lot of time to bring that back in a way that um, where I still get to use the humor and share that, but in a way that's, um, that's careful and that's really still client centered and not just, hey, I thought of this hilarious thing. <laughs> Maybe you should try it. Yeah, I'm thinking about that because as someone who has been coached by you, both in the coaching program and then afterwards, I have always felt that you have that filter, that, that pause before you say something that protects the space of safety between us or between whoever you're coaching. And I can imagine that flipping that hat on and off could be tricky. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes people are really shocked to find out that I am a comic because um, it doesn't fit with <laughs> what they experience. Um, and probably the same on the other side because I think we do really bring different strengths to different parts of our lives. Yeah, which makes me wonder if you think about a time when you were at your best, can you tell me a little bit about that? Huh, at my best. Well, I think, you know, the, the place where comedy and coaching really meet for me is it's, it's in flow. It's that you're in the moment and the, and the thing they have in common that I love is you have to be so present and, and connected. So you can't do comedy by yourself and you can't do coaching. I mean, you can self-coach and of course you can make yourself laugh, but there's something that happens when you're interacting with someone else or a group of people. And it's that just being so alive and so in the moment and so aware of how things are received and what's what that back and forth is I think that's really in common to both and in both cases I really I lose track of time and then uh you know I just I get a high from it yeah I love how you described what they have in common. I was going to ask you that question. And what I hear in your reply is that they both take a real intentional presence mm -hmm. and a curiosity about people and about what's happening in that moment. Yes, and, and a real desire and commitment to communication. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting to think about um, just because I'm wondering, because I think that you are very high in the strength of love and I'm wondering how you, how you can make a joke that might hurt someone, but it's sort of seems required 
I don't know if that's even a question, but I'm curious about how you how you handle that, you know, empathetic in touch side when you're when you're writing your material. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate <laughs> what you said because I don't always think of um, love being, you know, a big strength. And I think in my comedy, it has come more forward. Um, but part of it is, um, you know, there is some edge to a lot of my comedy. But I think about it in terms of that the people who I'm talking to, the people who are in the room with me, that we're having, that there's a shared experience. So it's kind of that difference between like punching up and punching down. And, you know, there's, I'm not trying to hurt the people who are, who are listening to me. Um, I, I might poke fun at, you know, a common, uh, a common enemy or a common source of distress. So like I do political humor, but it's not about politicians typically it's really more about social issues and power and who has it and who doesn't and how do we um you know kind of through through humor trying to find a new way of how, how do we move forward so i i'm sure i think i have definitely stepped on some toes but i've learned over time to um to bring more of that uh, I, love, love might be a word, but I think it's more like just joy and living or that kind of impishness to it. Like mm. looking at things that might be hard to look at or talk about, but in a way that lets us all laugh at it. Mm -hmm. And and then, like I said, I think that I'm sure there are people who don't appreciate my humor. And uh, <laughs> my mom taught me as a child, she said, well, if you want to have opinions, you can't want everyone to like you. And uh, I took that very much to heart. Um, and it's not that I don't want people to like me. It's that it's more important for me, I think, to be, to, to have more integrity or to be able to say things that might be hard to, to say or hear. Mm. Yeah, and from when I've heard you perform. Um, what comes through for me is an honesty and a bravery to address difficult topics and to make that, like you said, to be lighthearted and whimsical and, and impish, and also to realize the gravity of, of the, some of the challenges that are happening around us. Yes. And as you're saying that, I'm, th I'm realizing there is that big distinction between the comedy and the coaching, because in the comedy, it's very much about my opinion and how I see things. And, um, you know, and of course, I hope my audience shares that with me or comes to understand how I see it. But when I'm coaching, it isn't at all about how I see things. It's really about how does the person I'm coaching see things and, and trying to understand things from their point of view. Mm. So you get to experience two very different skill sets there I'm just thinking mm -hmm. about that yeah I don't get as many laughs as a coach <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that I think you get um, yeah we've had lots of shared laughs together that's true we have yes and shared laughing I love that in coaching right 
I think well, I love that many things, really. Yeah, I think being able to laugh at yourself, you know, um, I think that I've learned how to laugh at myself and um, celebrate those things that I would have been mortified by in, in younger uh -huh. years. <laughs> so, um, in thinking about your work with clients and helping them focus on the bright spots and strengths, what's your experience been like? Well, I definitely do look at that. And, and I'm like, I'm kind of always listening with that ear of, you know, what are the strengths there? And, and not always listening. I mean, I'm not, I'm still listening, but I'm not always focused on what is the immediate situation. I'm really listening to what are those deeper desires, deeper strengths, um, deeper qualities in the person that, that are going to be there, that are there throughout. And so, you know, I actually really enjoy listening with that filter of hmm, what strengths are here. But more than that, I'd say I, I really ask the client because they know themselves way better than I do. And they know what their strengths are. They know what works for them. They know, um, you know, they might, they might, we might not always have the same language. Like, you know, I might say, what are your strengths? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So it's more like, you know, tell me about a time when you did some, you know, what was the hardest thing you ever did and how'd you do it? It's going to come out. It's going to be in that story. Right. And they know how they did it. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of research around um, strengths blindness and that people often minimize their strengths or think they think that everyone has that same quality. So I'm wondering What's your experience with that? Oh, definitely. Well, I think we don't all have the same strengths. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Um, like, like, you know, at, at work, like I love a spreadsheet and that's something I'm like totally comfortable and happy in. And, and my boss like, you know, doesn't. And so she relies on me doing that thing. But then there's other things that she is super good at and, are really her strengths. And so we, by spreading them out in this way, we really, it's, it's much better when we, we just have so much more capacity. Um, and we don't all have to have every strength, but it's, it is good to kind of know what they are and to, I guess it's more like to remember them. Cause I think at some level we do know, but maybe we don't remember them. And, we do have a tendency in our culture to focus on what's not right yet, or what do I need to fix? Um, what, you know, what's my weakness? I mean, even that old question, when you go to an interview, it's like, well, what are your strengths or what are your weaknesses? And then you're supposed to answer it by saying that your weakness was actually something that was really a good thing, right? right. <laughs> but it's just a terrible question anyway, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's much more important to know where can you build from? And that though, I mean, that's what all the strengths research shows, I think, and you can, I think you know more about this than I do, but that it, it's far more effective to build from your strengths than to try to worry about um, building up those areas that maybe aren't your strengths. Yeah, definitely. I also think that, and from the research, it is clear as well that there are certain strengths, and this is from the VIA, the values and action character strengths. There are some that are tied to 
a more, I don't want to say balanced, but I guess a greater sense of well-being, you know, openness to experience and curiosity and gratitude and those kind of things. And what you're talking about, you know, working, I think trying to work from a place where you're trying to repair your weaknesses or, you know, plug yourself into a hole that doesn't fit isn't going to get you somewhere that not in a way that you're going to enjoy the journey, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say that, I'm thinking enjoyment, you know, is, is a good clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think hard work is hard work, right? But like you said, when you're in a situation, when you're coaching or you're on stage, it's not necessarily easy for you, but you're in flow because it's this it's this kind of combination of all the parts of you mm -hmm. that are there for a reason that are doing something that brings you life. And yeah. And I think, you know, this is making me think, well, maybe I have a strength of bravery um, because uh, I mean, certainly to get on stage and the, you know, at this point I've been doing comedy for decades. So it's not, you know, a terrifying experience and same with the coaching. But certainly in the beginning, it was terrifying. It was also really exciting. But I, you know, I remember the like the day of the show, I couldn't eat anything that whole day and I couldn't focus on anything. And then I would torture myself thinking, why am I doing this to myself? This is horrible. I'm never gonna do another show after this. This is the worst. <laughs> and and then afterwards I'd be like, oh, that was the best. And you know, can't wait to do it again. Mm -hmm. But I went through that for quite a long time before I got to the point. Now I can eat a full meal before a show. For the most part, um, and and I think maybe it's confidence, um, but the same with the coaching. You know, I think that there were times where I, you know, when I was learning or becoming, or or even if just the stakes were higher for some reason, like maybe I was doing a demo in front of hundreds of people, that that there would be that same kind of nervousness, um, but always also a. a a level of excitement. And then if I could get through that first, that first moment of uh, fear or anxiety, or, oh my God, I'm, I'm totally in over my head and, and connect, whether it's with the audience or with the client, I'm, I'm there, I'm just there. And I'm like, yes, this is where I wanna be. And I think those, those greatest moments or where I'm in the moment and I'm realizing this is so awesome. Yeah. And I, I think when you said, I guess, I guess bravery or courage is one of my strengths. I'm like, yeah. yes. <laughs> because without the courage, you wouldn't step into that, onto the stage or into that space of, you know, doing a demo. I always thought about that during our coaching program, you know, how did the coaches who are coaching in front of hundreds of people. How do you feel right now? I can't even imagine. When I was feeling nervous, just unmiking myself to ask a question or, you know, coaching in a breakout room and having someone pop in. So I think to me, that's the ultimate bravery to, as Brene Brown says, to get in the ring, you know, and, and not care about the people in the cheap seats. <laughs> I love that analogy. It's like, I only care about the people who are brave enough to show up. I do care about the people in cheap seats, though. But this is just reminds me of an interesting story because when I was starting out in comedy, you know, if 
I would look out at the audience, of course. And, and if, and if there was someone in the front row with his arms crossed and just like not <laughs> laughing, that is all I would see. The rest of the room could be laughing hysterically, but if I saw that somebody just like was not into it or hating it or whatever, it just, it, it really made it hard for me. And I just, you know, I, I felt like it was a failure and I just, it, it definitely undermined my confidence. And I just learned over time to look at the ones who were laughing. Mm -hmm. That it was okay if not everybody was loving it. And it's just that, that shift. And maybe that's the same as that shift from weaknesses to strengths is, is to look at where, where's the love here. Mm -hmm. yeah looking for the bright spots yeah because as we know we already have that negativity bias so focusing in on that one grouchy guy in the front is just going to make it not very fun at all yeah 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 and, and also I, I think you know realizing how much how many assumptions I was making about like why that person wasn't laughing or um you know, and, and kind of letting go of judgment, it's been really helpful. Yeah, I can imagine that would be very challenging because <laughs> you can't exactly ask him. Yeah, like you can. But, but, and that raises just another thought about comedy. I know this is becoming all about my comedy. I hope it's all right. Well, it's great. Uh, but, you know, for, for years also, if there were hecklers or there were people just kind of chatting in the room, mm -hmm. I would not address it. I would just stay with my, you know, with the jokes that I'd written and, and really just try to ignore what was happening. And it was not very effective and it took me a long time to do it. But when I finally realized to just acknowledge what is actually happening, uh -huh. <laughs> it really helped. And, and just to even learn just a couple of like, you know, um, there was, there's like lines that comedians have, like one I learned from somebody was, you know, saying just, you know, there's always someone in the room who's funnier than me. It isn't you, you know, or just even these like prepared lines for how do you deal with that? But, but the not dealing with it was, was really uh, not helpful. And I think that was maybe a huge lesson was just learning that you might have something prepared that you want to do or say, but the strength is really, really much more in dealing with what's happening in the moment or acknowledging what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, that reminds me of the elephant in the room in, yeah. <laughs> in working with the client also and noting their change in affect or change in intensity or something and actually calling it out in some way. Yes. Instead of letting it go, it's an opportunity. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and really that's one of the gifts I think of of coaching is to to name what is unsaid mm. yeah so many parallels that i hadn't really thought about same here <laughs> yeah so i'm curious as i've been studying habit science a lot and where where routines and habits help us to be our best and i'm wondering how you what you think about that for your own life yes i think um i can't say that i've worked it all out but 
<laughs> to put it mildly, but I've figured some things out. Like, you know, just this past August, actually, I started meditating every day uh, with my husband. And, you know, I had been trying for years to kind of put a practice in place. And, um, and for whatever reason that, you know, we finally are doing it and somehow just doing it together has really help both of us to be more consistent with it and um and then you know a, a lot of it's a lot of trial and error so like i know for sure that if i if i i need to exercise pretty much every day and by that i don't mean i'm like out there working out it's like it might be a walk you know a half hour walk or it might be you know dancing to a couple of songs but or something or yoga something but if I don't do it every day I get depressed and I get you know I just or anxious like it just really affects my mental health almost more than my body and um but finding a way to fit that in when I'm working a long day um has been hard and so just recently I finally figured out you know what doing it first thing in the morning is kind of works for me and it, it took me, you know, 50 years to figure that out, but I got there. <laughs> you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, it just, and I, and the other thing I've noticed is that even when I fall off, so maybe I don't do it for a little while and I start to feel not so good, um, that I'm always amazed at how quickly when I do those things again, that they really help. Mm. So, uh, which is good because, you know, if I stop doing it, then I'm like, well, what's the point? I, or I, I've lost the momentum and it's not gonna, you know, it's over <laughs> and I'll never get it back and it's too far gone. And so sometimes I have to learn the lesson many times over, mm -hmm. but I would say at this point, I'm aware that, you know what, I can always come back to it. And there will be things that throw me off. Like maybe I get sick or, you know, something happens and I, and I stop my habit for a little bit, but coming back to it um, is really helpful. Yeah. I think it's really important for people to realize that just because we're coaches, we don't have it all together. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have it all figured out. No. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's true for a lot of people that if they can link their habit to a time of day to, uh, you know, attach it to another practice that they do, that it, it has a better chance of actually happening. Yeah, definitely. So that's been my latest discovery is that mm -hmm. I do the, the New York Times seven-minute workout, which is actually nine minutes. Um, <laughs> they lied. <laughs> they did. But I do it after, right after the meditation. So they, I stack them, as yes. it were. And, and then I get to start every day feeling like, oh, I already did something. Right. So that's been really good. Yeah. And it sounds like you're very, aware, you're very aware of the benefit for yourself. And I think that's another thing from Atomic Habits, you know, make it satisfying. Like be aware of the, of the benefit for yourself. You're calling it out. You're saying, when I exercise, I'm less stressed and I'm less anxious and I feel better. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And it did take me a while with exercise because I just, for you know, I in the beginning was just aware of how uncomfortable it was and how unpleasant and how much I didn't like it. And 
And then I went through a period of, okay, I feel all of that and I don't enjoy it while I'm doing it, but I really enjoy how I feel afterwards. And I now got to the point where I actually enjoy doing it. And a lot of that is from finding ways of doing it that I actually like. Mm. Right. But also just becoming less judgmental about like kind of reframing like that feeling of getting all sweaty, you know, used to feel just awful, you know, like me, I would think, oh, I've got a tropical disease now. And, you know, I would associate it with bad things and then starting to think, oh, if I'm sweating, oh, that's, that's good. I'm detoxifying. And so just really kind of changing the way I think about things has helped too. Yeah, that reframing is very powerful. All right, Betsy, my last question for you, I think, um, how has this past year impacted your priorities living in those times of COVID? Interesting question. You know, it's funny, I always had this fantasy about being under house arrest and uh, <laughs> where I was going to read all these books that I bought and do all these crafts and like, you know, declutter the whole house and all of these things. And, and I, uh, but I, I wasn't specific enough because part of that fantasy did not include having a full-time job or another person under house arrest with me. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's been a real journey, I think, of realizing what, being grateful, first of all, for what is working and what I do have and, you know, what this experience has been. Um, and also that opportunity to think, okay, so when this is over and life, I, I don't want to say it goes back because I don't think it ever goes back. I think it goes to something new, but what would I want that to look like? And so it's kind of highlighted what is really important to me and, and what I've really missed and what aspects of my life really feed me. Mm. And some of those are here and some of those uh, are, are restricted right now. Right. So what's one thing you're looking forward to when, when we're all safely allowed to travel or be out in the world in a different way? Oh my God. I think the first thing I just had this image of me just hugging, hugging people, especially my girlfriends, you know, mm. like I really miss my friends and I really miss that just um, like I used to have slumber parties <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I really look forward to having one of those again where we just play mm. and my favorite thing at my slumber parties, I, I have this friend who has five kids and she came and her kids are like wait a minute you can't go to a slumber party those are for kids <laughs> <laughs> but just that that space and time to play and I think what I love about a slumber party is it's like you know you're going to go to bed at the end of it so you you don't have to like worry about the, and like there's a relaxed a relaxed aspect to it where you can just really be yourself and and, um, and not have to worry about going home or 
there's an intimacy to it as well that I miss. Yeah. But I guess, I guess play, play is really that what's coming to mind. Mm -hmm. Wow, you're making me want to have a slumber party. I haven't had a slumber party since <laughs> I was 15, I think. <laughs> Oh, Joan, you don't know what you're missing. I'm missing out. Yeah. All right. I had a pinata at my last one. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Betsy, so much for talking with me and sharing your strengths and your humor and your bravery. Really appreciate oh. it. Thanks, Joan. I'm I'm like, I feel so like happy right now. Like, like I don't want this to end. So I so appreciate this. I mean, I, I should know this as a coach, but just by you just asking me about my strengths and, and how they fit, you know, about my life, it just, I feel lit up. Mm -hmm. What a great way to, to end. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What a joy it was to talk with Betsy. And I just have to share a few more little clips of our after-party conversation. Betsy, of course, as my coach, began to highlight some of my bright spots. And I just had to share them with you. I just, I mean, really the way I feel, it's like you just gave me a really awesome experience. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I got a taste of what it might be like to coach with you. Oh, thank you. You could coach anyone, Joan. You know, the way you talked the other day uh, about starting with kindergarten and just how you, you just always saw the strengths in everybody. I mean, I, it's hard for me to imagine that there's any group that wouldn't really benefit. Mm. And I know as a coach now, like, I get a little excited when I get somebody who's like totally different from all my other clients mm. or where I think, Oh, there's a challenge here. Um, and you're, you're demonstrating strengths coaching in doing these. Mm. I hoped, I hope so. Yeah. I hear a lot of confidence and joy in mm. what they're doing. Yeah. It's really fun. I love it actually. Thanks for being here with me today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to give a review. If you have topics you'd like me to discuss, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. And finally, this podcast is for entertainment only and not to be taken as professional advice. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you next time. Take care.